Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We're at the Brooklyn Combine. We have a wonderful, bright, Intelligent guest, Miss Erica Mateo. <laughs> That's a very nice intro. Yeah. <laughs> um, Erica, you you are, uh, and this is just from from our our opinion. Like you're really a dynamic person. Um, very focused, but under the radar. You don't seem like you're the type of person who likes to. Um, raise any noise you just do you just do what you do um could you tell uh our listeners what it is that you do i don't want to i because i think it's pretty dynamic i don't think it's just one thing there's so many different things that i think you do <laughs> sure um um well first introduce yeah. yourself yeah okay so um i'm erica mateo um i'm from brownsville brooklyn um, I recently moved to Laurelton. Yeah, we were talking about how, how fun it is out there. So, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Shout out to the people of Laurelton. <laughs> um, but um, what do I do? Um, you know, at heart, I'm, I'm an organizer mm-hmm. of, of, of people, of, of thoughts, of ideas, um, professionally. Um, I, I work for the Center for Court Innovations. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out in Brownsville at the Brownsville Community Justice Center. We are um, again born and raised. Mm-hmm. And you born in you were born in Langston Hughes, right? I was born in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. You Brooklyn well, I'm <laughs> well, saying you were raised in. Yeah, Langston yeah, I was raised in Langston Hughes. Um, and my professional title is uh, director of uh, neighborhood safety initiatives mm-hmm. and. What that looks like is a, a partnership with, um, with both government and community, uh, public housing communities across the city and all five boroughs, um, and you know, getting together a group of residents to help define what their community should look like. So, um, so really kind of changing the narrative, because I grew up in Brownsville as mm-hmm. well, and you know, people look at us, uh, there's a certain stigma. That yeah. I think some people have about Brownsville, East New York, South Bronx, um, yeah. Jamaica, yeah. Um, well, South Jamaica. And I think for me, in my opinion, from meeting you and just knowing the people who you work with and the initiatives that you're involved with, you you are someone who should be supported, in my opinion. Um, and because, you know, what's happening in our communities and what's, what was happening in Brownsville when I grew up. It was purposive. It wasn't a mistake. I'm reading a book about how East New York <clears throat> became a ghetto. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know the history mm-hmm. of, of the oppression that was going on to, to make sure blacks and Puerto Ricans who were coming and migrating to New York City in these certain pockets in the city, how much what they faced. Um, and that 
it, it was a divestment of, of, of um, financial divestment in our communities that created all these vacant lots. Uh, the buildings that were burning down were from the slumlords who were trying to collect insurance. Yeah. Um, there were no schools. There were, it, everything was, you know what? There's bad schools. We need more police. Um, mm -hmm. The sanitation won't pick up garbage. Yo, we need more police. Like, the answer was the police everything. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, at East New York, had one of the worst precincts. 7-5. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a whole Netflix series about uh, mm -hmm. what went on with the 7-5. Um, but really, <clears throat> you know, you know you talk, you're talking about the history of East New York and, and Brownsville. And just recently, um, my father had passed away a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I was about, about to be two. And I never got in contact with his family. I just uh, spoke to an aunt recently. And she was telling me about <clears throat> my family when they migrated from Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So my mother's family is Puerto Rican. My father's side is, is Puerto Rican. My father's side, um, when they migrated from Puerto Rico, they landed in Brownsville. Mm -hmm. And my mother's side, they first landed in the Bronx and then to East New York. And so this is, you know, 60s, 70s, mm -hmm. etc. <clears throat> my father's family, they owned uh, my great grand uncle owned a push cart on Belmont and mm. wow. um, opened a, a business on, you know, an old, I also want to be super transparent, opened up a business on Watkins in Belmont mm -hmm. that I'm told was a bodega and a number spot. Mm, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> also on Liberty in East New York. Um, and my mother's side of the family, uh, they were, you know, born in, well, born in Puerto Rico. My grandmother, you know, left her husband. Um, with six kids and mm. came to New York City and said I'm gonna make it on my own and she was a super mm -hmm. for a really long time um, and it is that kind of like tenacity to um, knowing of community and myself and community um, that was really important for both families mm -hmm. to make it and mm -hmm. what you're talking about mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. kind of like structural um, divestment and I would say not you know not really make it but just kind of like Survive, survive and feed your, yeah. and feed your, your, your children. And so uh, my father died of a heroin uh, overdose. overdose. And uh, now it is all the rave, but my father lay dead on the couch for almost 10 hours before, before, he, before the ambulance. This, this was in Brownsville? This was in um, Omaha. He was living uh, in East New York at this time with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that's the kind of divestment that is the experiences that make up, yeah. you know, our... You know what's crazy is, um, it's funny, um, growing up in Brownsville, like, traveling down Belmont Avenue was like an experience, you yeah. know? It was a really deep experience for me. Um, you had the Harry's and Simon's, but then you had the fish markets, but then you had heroin addicts. Yeah. Um, and I went to PS327, and one of my most vivid memories of growing up is that in the morning you would come to school and uh, you would see the people um, high off of, of heroin, mm -hmm. nodding off. Then we would come out for lunch, they would still be there, mm -hmm. and we'd come out in the school, they're still there. And I never forget in, in uh, school they showed us a tape, a, a, a documentary on the effects of heroin. And it has such a profound effect on me. Like, I, I was afraid of mm -hmm. doing drugs because of what I saw it was doing to, to our community. Um, and it bothered me growing up through that period where we got comfortable calling people crackheads. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. or dope fiends yeah. and not understanding that this was a, a much bigger thing that was happening in our community you know i mean definitely when you look at i mean you know i'm born in the 80s <laughs> a little bit younger than you um and i went to 284 you went to 284 i learned how to swim in 284 yeah in the, the there's a basement pool i yep. think it's still there mm-hmm. um on sutter osborne um shout out 284 <laughs> um and this was you know during the height of i remember the height of the biggie tupac mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. warfare etc mm-hmm. and i remember playing in the yard <clears throat> um there on Sutter mother gas that was formerly known as dr cream park mm-hmm. um and they're being kind of like east side west side fights right like oh i'm you know whatever i'm west side Mm -hmm. etc amongst um youngins and surrounding us um and what we used to call the red park or across the street Mm -hmm. on um the the gas station side Mm -hmm. around the gas in um there were crack valves etc all over the place Uh, but you know in all honesty i never knew i was poor <laughs> I, mm. I never you know all that was really boring. did you did you did you get did you have a sense of unfairness that something wasn't right at a young age in in our in, in brownsville or east new york um i think you know i think so sometimes mm. um you know when i you know, me and my mom we don't have a good relationship and no to this day to this day um and she was struggling as a woman i kind of understand now Mm -hmm, some of the mm -hmm. decisions that she made when Mm -hmm. when i was younger um and it was something that felt really unfair about Mm -hmm. our relationship and she was also addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. um and that felt unfair like i was like oh my god Mm -hmm. like why does my why is my mom like like this and other people's mom is not Mm -hmm. like this Mm -hmm. but then you know i would go to my grandma's house um and that was just like full of love and mm. this was my maternal grandmother um and i think when people describe her would describe her um you know most of the time grandmas was like oh she's so loving she's mm. so cute my grandma she was that in a different way, different <laughs> she, way. she was strong she was she was just this stillness this foundation to everything that was around us and that you can't get no better than that and i think she was quiet kind of humbleness but the center of everyone's life which was kind of that's probably where you get your sense of of strength and you know we we've dealt with you now on some what i what i'm proud a couple of projects that i'm really proud of of recent and just to see how you're focused and committed to getting everything done and and how structured and organized you are um i could see how your grandmother had a, a really strong um presence rubbed off on you that's the best compliment <laughs> you know her uh her death anniversary was on the 21st mm-hmm. and now you know she died in 1997 so that's a lot of years ago 20s i was in law school so. um yeah and so when i think about the work that i do she's definitely some she, she's definitely there present mm-hmm. all the time the fact that um, the Brownsville Community Justice Center, uh, where I started, mm-hmm. um, and one of the first five staff or so to start the program at first, we were on Thomas Boylan. We moved to Belmont in, mm-hmm. the, old, in the old happy days. Mm-hmm. Felt very destined once I found out that um, my family had owned a, 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 a bodega and push cart on Belmont. 
When you were talking about vacant lots earlier, mm-hmm. the revitalization of a vacant lot in Brownsville on the same block that my um, parents, my grandparents uh, migrated to, I didn't know any of this mm-hmm. when I was actually doing the work. So it feels very much like mm-hmm. it was written, like somehow this, you know, I'm working with some energies that are around me um, that, you know, I can't take all the credit mm-hmm. for, for, for the the work one i have an amazing team i can just yeah start your there. team is, your team is, is really powerful yeah amazing team and then also but just for myself you know being called humble is one of mm-hmm. the biggest compliments it's because you know i feel like i'm just a vessel yeah you know somehow living out the story what, what do you think is um well what do you think is some of the biggest changes if there are any from the time that you were growing up to now in brownsville if any, or if you may not, I'm, I'm just curious what your perception of, of what the neighborhood looks like or feels like now compared to then. I think it's really hard to, mm-hmm. to kind of, so in a lot of ways, it feels very much the same. Mm-hmm. It looks very much the do, same. Yeah, it definitely looks It's really hard to change the landscape of Brownsville. You know, I had the highest concentration of public housing, housing yeah. in the United States. In the States. United States. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. 111 buildings, I think it is, um, in, you know, 11212, 11233, which mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. is Ocean Hill. So, the landscape feels very familiar. Also, you know, just... In all, because I, I realize people can't see me. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Puerto Rican, and mm-hmm. I grew up in Brownsville, mm-hmm. a, a light skinned Puerto Rican mm-hmm. <laughs> with with long curly hair, um, and I grew up in Brownsville in the nineties, mm-hmm. and we were the only Puerto Rican family I would think <laughs> in like the hues. It felt like that. You no, know, but when I was growing outside. up, it was more. It was more though. When I was growing up, yeah. it was it was it was. Uh, I had I grew up with so many Puerto Rican friends growing up. Yeah, I didn't. When I um, I guess this is might be the one thing that has changed. Oh, so I felt like we were only there was another family actually that mm-hmm. lived on the twentieth floor in the building that came outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so grateful for because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just I'm mm-hmm. tough in a, in a, in a, in a way mm-hmm. that um that helped me throughout my whole life. My teachers were. Black and brown folks. The only white folks were the police. My doctors were either black, Spanish, Indian, mm-hmm. Asian, etc. Um, that has changed. Okay. <laughs> there is the systemic issues that are there generation after generation haven't changed. No, 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 no. not at all. I was just writing for a fellowship recently, and I was asking about your New York City story. And I just remember I was maybe 13 years old, mm-hmm. living in Lindsay Hughes, staring out my bedroom window. And something, I just knew that I would be locked up one day. Mm. And I was mm. like, who, who, like what 13 year old girl even thinks that. knows that, knows like that. feels that about what their future That somebody's paying attention to their environment. Um, yeah. I think I think now, like I realize that, like looking back, I'm yeah. just like, oh, I knew something was wrong, something was off. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, uh, folks would say, would tell me, oh, you're you're smart, you're a pretty smart yeah. girl. And I was like, well, this this is not a smart the smart thing. Yeah, nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. Yeah. And anything, you know, the more questions I ask, the more frustrated I am about everything, and mm-hmm. just being really angry mm-hmm. all the time about. I guess a sense of unfairness or mm-hmm. just like 
this should not make no sense. No, like, not, what yeah. you're telling me, like, I'm asking questions of the world around me to whoever is around me, tons of social workers, mm-hmm. teachers, etc. And no one had any answers. Yeah, and you couldn't make sense of it. It's, it's funny you say that because I deal with that so often with uh, a lot of clients that I represent. Um, really, really bright. Like, I'm talking exceptionally bright. If you gave them this skewed IQ test, they would be off the charts. But they grow up. They've grown up in these environments that are very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And for instance, then we, we'll take a break. I'll tell you this one story of someone I was representing in federal court. <clears throat> uh, uh, he had been accused serious crime, a Hobbs Act robbery. Um, uh, this, the facts were that he had. Um, uh, they, it was a home invasion of a drug dealer, mm-hmm. and it started getting violent some of the people that he was with for him and this is his thinking for him to stop the violence Mm -hmm. he immediately grabbed the baby because that got everybody's attention Mm -hmm. and it all stopped and they did what they need to do now the outside person looking in is like oh that's that's senseless it's violence why would he do that he did he had a reasoning on why he did it he wanted you know he wanted to to get what they came to get and, and end it. But in representing them, we had to often, as lawyers, what we do is we literally have to go back in the past to understand who we're representing. What was happening when they were a child? What was happening when they were in school? What is the educational records? What are social worker records? Mm-hmm. And we went and we pulled all that stuff. And then we find out by 15, had attempted to take his life five times. Mm-hmm. Commit suicide five different times. What at fifteen? Mm-hmm. Um, kicked out of several schools, several neighborhoods, bouncing around. Sexually assaulted uh, by a family member, young age, eight years old. We uncovered social worker notes where they said that they had one of the social workers went for a home visit, and there was no one in the house but him, knocked out, concussed on the floor, had peed on himself. Mm-hmm. No adult in the house. So then you wonder, how does this person life then, you know, he, he became this figure where the, the guys in the Bronx who wanted respect, they would just pay him to roll with them because that's how feared he was. But then you, we uncovered the, the psychological notes and they said that this young, I can't, I won't say his name. They said that he was so bright and so intelligent. But their concern was that he could not make sense of his work. Wow. So when you think of the, the, the thousands of Puerto Rican and black people who had to deal with generational trauma and violence and a government that has purposely made their neighborhoods ghetto and, and mm-hmm. oppressed them from, from services that everyone else gets, and you, you can't understand why that kid is angry, mm-hmm. then it's like you're not really doing your history. You know, yeah. so. And but, it's also in that story, like how many people dropped the ball? Ball, a lot. A lot of people dropped the ball. Yeah. Um, so we, we're gonna, so we're gonna take a break. Sutter and Stone, Rockaway and Dumont, the gritty arteries of Browns Brown, 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 Brown. Got father time rhymes. I know I'm blessed, father, part my crimes. Just wanted to stack and ride beamers. Don't laugh on the ad with a pack of hyenas. Come through with the pride, get attacked with five ninas. Got trapped, now I'm flying, now I'm back with my Venus. The dream is live clean and good living. It's free as it seems, but the shit is a hood prison. 
So we sold that poison like Bivens Made noise and quietly gave sister nice ribbons Fuck them cops and swats with night vision Give me three days, we celebrate like Christ risen Grew up with good spirited goons Now I only see them in tombs or in visiting rooms Hold a chrome tight, the beast on the creep I own the night, the heat's my receipt I need peace, all that beef shit is weak When niggas that talk trash get sweeped in the street Wash down the gutter Whatever remains get tossed around your mother Jump through squares, made them crown another I see your traps and your plots dead as shot rolling with cold jacks, nigga, I got pathetic I fuck the fetters, nigga I heat it up with cold facts I heat it up with cold pyrotechnics with no alarms I blew up the block when I sold them bombs No niggas who didn't turn pros as cons Guns 24 carry, got golden arms Good metal, don't settle for silver bronze Fruits on my labor, I'm building farms The illest psalms written with killer palms And the scoundrel mind, but nice Sight with anybody down the rhyme Too much vision, them niggas sounded blind you Must be in the dark, down the swine Titan, yeah, but I'm enlightened Should build museums from all the shit I'm writing Y'all niggas weak, check my speak, start biting I don't speak too much, words more potent Live niggas say it with me, herbs don't quote it Code loaded, waiting for a reason Praise me when I'm dead, make bread while I'm breathing Can't take it when I'm leaving Judge me too quick, mistake me as a heathen Cause I had tools, move weight, and was thieving But I was broke, out the gate, I was grieving Had a cold heart cause my apartment was freezing Studied this 30 years so you can say it's master Thorough niggas some my nucleic acid I heat it up with cold facts I heat it up with cold facts That was really um, struck me when you said at 13, you looked out the window and you were saying you may get arrested one day. And you know what's crazy is growing up in Brownsville <clears throat> and in Brooklyn in general during my time, I'm, I'm probably a little bit older. I'm a lot older than you. But I remember being sad, but not knowing why and angry and not knowing why. Mm -hmm. And then I would actually try to find different routes home or to school so I didn't have to see abandoned building or uh, someone down and out yeah. just because I just I wanted to see something else. Um, you know. I, you know, Brownsville, I give so much, you know, my grandma and Brownsville mm -hmm. <laughs> are uh, the two things who really made me uh, who I am. Mm -hmm. um, there's something. My my family is an interesting family in so far that they're crazy. <laughs> you know, I think most of us have crazy families. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, my father's family. I I didn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I still don't know. Um, but my mother's family. My grandmother had six children. They uh, four boys, two girls. Mm -hmm. My mother's the second oldest. Um, they kind of accepted everyone, mm. meaning like 
anyone could kind of come to the house. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, y'all had that house. Up. Yeah. Y'all had friends sleeping over and friends yeah. taking care of other kids. Who exactly. Been going um, through some things. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there was something about that kind of sense of community mm-hmm. um, in the household that still sticks with me now. Um my work, you know, takes me to all five boroughs mm-hmm. in public housing, mm-hmm. you know, Wagner houses, Red Hook houses. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the places where people will say, you you should not go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, some of them are like, no, I'm from Brownsville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go, go anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. No There's question. something like deep inside yeah, where yeah. like, what? Yeah. Well, I could go wherever I want to go. <laughs> but outside of that, there's also this sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people will ask me who just don't know any better, like, are you afraid? I'm like, there is no way that I can serve people that I love afraid. Afraid. Um, you have to do it um, out of love, out of recognition, yeah, yeah. Um, out of just pure. Um, it's a selflessness that's required. Um, unfortunately, you know what I'm seeing now is that, you know, <laughs> it's it's almost become a way to get a bag to, um, to yeah. appear that you are community oriented. Yeah, I see it. Um, and it, it it's really a disservice because many of the people who are in that position, you would think they are they have the ability to be informed and to connect people and connect the dots. But they just want to get their their name recognition or that money, and um, that is a part of I think why some of the systemic issues that still exist are are still there. Whether we're in Wagner houses, whether we're in up in Eastchester or you know Brownsville, wherever Cypress, um, and and it, it's um, it, it's very frustrating for me because from a legal st- a political standpoint, I see what goes on, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I think you represent a different energy that can perhaps change that in in time you know it's not going to be easy but in time um because that has to change um you know i'll i'll often say um, you know if the young people in the brownsvilles and the east new yorks start start being focused on the things that they think need to change and 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 not um, you know, because society focuses on them in so many other negative ways. But if they if they can somehow avoid the distractions and to educate themselves through um, through experiences and perspectives and, and getting up with people like yourself, um, it will change. Then we will begin to see change in our neighborhoods. We're not going to see it coming from this politician or this person who says, yo, I'm going to come and give you guys jobs. That's not what it is. Um, it, it has to be something much more um, ideological and, and really spiritual in a certain yeah. sense. Um, and and uh, I can see in time uh, that if you keep doing what you're doing, it's eventually going to it's going to have that effect. But you're also facing a lot of um, obstacles in, in doing that. I definitely appreciate that. Um, it's definitely uh, when you said spiritual, I kind of like perked up. I'm definitely on my you know own spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the work definitely comes from a place of grounding, um, and some of the things I talked about earlier. Uh, definitely work um, walking through some kind of purpose mm-hmm. um, that is I'm always trying to define. You know, as I continue to uh, have experiences in this work and just grow older, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what life does. 
um, but definitely walking through it with a certain sense of uh, principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were talking about the young man earlier, and the first thing, some of the first things that came to my mind is how many people had dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that young person being someone that I had been connected to and not doing every single thing possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is late nights and weekends and um, that you spending your holidays with other people's families and not your own mm-hmm. or um, you just going that extra mile when someone else wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very like, you know, some people tell me about self-care all the time. Erica, you need to take care of yourself, yeah, I, I et cetera. And I'm like, I, I will. I got it. And um, some of that is like, you know, all these spiritual energies that are keeping me afloat is, is what's taking care of me right now so that mm-hmm. I can help other folks. Um, I definitely need to uh, work on self-care. I'm not promoting <laughs> not doing that. Um, but that level of like, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do what it takes yeah. um, by any means necessary. Uh, you know, there are many times that I'm sure that, you know, my employers is like, we don't know what she's doing, but she's doing something. She's getting it right. I'm like, yeah, let me, let me just do my thing over here. Um, because I'm going to, you know, there's been times I've taken kids off the corner two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, go to, go to the, you know, first girlfriend I pick up the phone, we're going to go to her house mm-hmm. and that's where you're going to spend the night because you can't, you, can't you shouldn't be out, out here. here. Yeah, you know, um, bad things happen. Exactly. Um, and, you know, for there's a such thing as a nonprofit industrial mm-hmm. complex. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, where uh, people, where it's just kind of feeding itself. People aren't really trying to work themselves out of a job. Um, and I definitely am. I don't see myself as a, you know, I'm in my thirties. I don't see myself as a, you know, forty year old nonprofit executive. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm gonna go open a storefront in Brownsville mm-hmm. sooner than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just do this work in a different way, um, collectively um, with. Um, with the folks that are around me. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, hopefully I'll realize some of the aspirations you put forward. <laughs> no, I, I think so. And you know what's funny? You know, people always ask what has to happen for for some some kids, young people's environment to change. And, it, and sometimes it takes just one person in that community or family mm-hmm. who, who can stop the cyclical things that are happening. Mm-hmm. That Erica Mateo, who sees a young kid who has, uh, who's just uh, trying to figure it out and, and knows that, listen, you gotta get on this corner. Um, uh, aunt, you know, for me, I had a few. You know, I had an aunt, I had, I had an aunt Edith who was really like, she, she, she basically forced me to travel. She, mm-hmm. port, she took me to places that you know, if I'm paying attention to teachers in my environment, we just don't get to go to those places. And it helped me start dreaming what what my narrative can be in this life. Um, I always, for me personally, I was angry at what happened to Brownsville and what happened to black and, and, and Puerto Rican people and Native American people. Any, I was, a, I was upset as a child that, that just the sense of unfairness was so deep in me um, that I wanted, it, it drove my life and what I wanted to become. I wanted to become an attorney because I was mad that they said Malcolm X couldn't become an attorney. And I had internalized that, wow, these attorney people, they're the people always in position. So that was my motivation, but it started out my anger, what happened to us as a people. And then my, my ideological dream was to use what I knew as an attorney to, um, help mend my community or do what I could to 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 put my community in position of self-determination yeah. 
And that's that's what drove me. Now, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I don't think I could have gotten there without one or two people in my community who who said, you know what, let me let me help him get to that point. And we don't have enough people in our communities who think like that anymore. Um, and it's a rich history of Puerto Rican and black community activists, entrepreneurs Definitely. who sacrificed a lot to, to change, you know, the, the environment or to save that young kid. And we, we don't have that. Uh, and that's not in, that's not in, I should say. We have it because you're doing it and other people like yourself are doing it. But that's the answer. But everybody want to get the bag, you know. There are so, um, there's quite a few folks in, in Brownsville from Brownsville that I know that are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Johnny Mae Robinson. I mm-hmm. love her. She is just this woman that just pours into me all mm-hmm. the time. She's one of, I, I don't want to call her elder because she mm-hmm. might be upset. <laughs> but she is a staple in the community that she is always giving all of the time. Um, and she doesn't work for any Anybody. She's doing it on her own time. She does it on her own time. She is only a little bit older than me. <laughs> uh, you know, she is moving way more than myself. Um, and I'm always in awe of her. And there are so many people like her who, um, you know, there's a system in place. You mm-hmm. know, uh, One of the things that woke me up was a lot of, you know, reading and writing. And I'm really good mm-hmm. at that. Mm-hmm. And that helps me, you helps. know, secure the bag. Yeah. Um, and there, and not that Miss Johnny May can't read or write, she she can, uh, but there's like a knowing of a of a system that um, that helps to get people the resources that they need. When I when I grew up there, many of the young men <clears throat> was influenced by Jocko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that BRC was like a place that saved a lot of my friends. Yeah, some of them they couldn't save. From college, um, he was partnering with the uh, I believe it was called community solutions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back from college I was interning there oh you did yeah and um, him he he was just so embracing yeah um, he's very his, solid yeah his spirit was so giving all the time listen all the tough kids that I grew up with all respected him and found their way to BRC all my friends from Plazas and, and um, Cephalo, Brownsville houses, they all found, Tilden, they found their way to, to BRC. And, you know, that's kind of dangerous because you got, you know, in Brownsville, I don't think people understand in Brownsville the history of the beefs between certain buildings. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, Cephalo was beefing with Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes was beefing with Van Dyke. Van Dyke, like, it's yeah. a serious thing. And people, people don't understand why... Some kids don't even go to school sometimes because they don't they want to avoid that those problems. And it was funny with, with Jocko growing up, he was able to bring people together who had serious issues with one another. And they put them aside mm-hmm. for that brief period of time they were in BRC. You know, shout out to him and his family. Yeah, still, yeah his son uh, I think is a teacher. His son's a teacher. Him. His his daughters are still very much active. I okay. see them around often his wife is very much so active and you know representing okay. his legacy mm-hmm. he's another person who um hopefully i'm remembering this correctly who said his grandmother was someone who influenced him greatly yeah. and would say you know something along the lines of you know who are you going to help today mm. you know wake up and 
you know, support, you know, support someone else, do a good deed today, um, you know, take a look at your neighbor and like, how can yeah, I, how can you, how can, can you I help? help? How yeah. can I help? I'm here for you. Um, and that, you know, that kind of sentiment is very much like, uh, we were talking about, unfortunately, there's some folks in this work who are here for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. When you look at your neighbor and you see them as yourself, that very foundational principle would support a different type of action. You're right. <clears throat> that would change the um, educational system. It would change how we interact with one another. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, um, I know coming from the black perspective, there's a lot of self-hate. You know, slavery had, had did a number on us mm-hmm. um, psychologically. I think in many regards, I think psychologically more than physically in, in a certain aspect. But I think that what you said is very powerful because I, I remember the, the program that you put together that we participated in Brownsville a couple of months back. Um, the session where we had the sit down with the different mm-hmm. members of the community to hear from the older people their concept of what community is was really powerful to me. And I think we kind of have to redefine that at this point. Um, I don't, and, and it's, we're a part of a bigger, we're a part of someone else's capitalistic plan. Mm-hmm. And in that sometimes it's hard for us to navigate our own spaces. Um, and we have to begin navigating our own spaces and, and reevaluating what is community and what our value systems are. You know, it's, it's something I always, like I would love in my lifetime to see all those parents, single or not, who are struggling raising their children, trying to figure it out. Them get up with the Erica Mateos, who then get up with people who are interested, like the Combine, and then get up with the retired teachers or paras and start, how, how should I say, start our own school system mm-hmm. outside of the Board of Ed. Because our schools are always under underfunded. Um, there's always an issue in that regard. Now imagine if kids were getting out of their regular school and they come to Langston Hughes and there's a community center in Langston Hughes where there's an there's an after school program run by the people in the community. Because yeah. then your kids are not just out here anymore. Um, and your kids are also getting a, a programming of what their value system should be because our kids spend so much out of their house trying to figure it out in a space that is constantly pushing them away. Um, in you know. certain instances, um, like when you talk about Jocko or the Johnny Mays of the world, it, it exists in some ways, but it's mm-hmm. not being legitimized. No, no, it's not. And so yeah. how do, you know, my goal is always to, like, how to support how, that. How to support that. Um, from a, a, you mentioned earlier, I'm, re- I'm really low-key. Mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. like to be out front, podcasts are comfortable for that reason. Uh, it's important. I also believe in the power of education. Yes. When I think about when my world opened up, opened up, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you know, I had that premonition when I was 13. Mm-hmm. I was incarcerated by the time I was 15. By oh, you can't just drop that. Like, we gotta go. <laughs> oh, we, we gotta, we gotta break. We gotta come back. Yeah. All right, we gotta come back. We gotta- Presence great, the future's bright. One thing you can't take away is my past, though. <laughs> Shorty told me a story. I ain't cast any aspersions or whole judgment. So I told her a peace of mind. I was 14, just starting to dream. 
All grandma wanted was a washing machine Couldn't afford it, left me with a heart full of steam Felt like coffee, let me borrow some cream Hustlers said you can't be part of the team Why? You a ball player, one day you gonna make it out Yeah, I hear all that, but I ain't trying to wait it out You giving me the work or what? What the debate about? They said no, so my options, I had to weigh it out Fuck the daily news, I'ma find me a paper route Got with the stick of kids, them niggas drove a Pontiac Never met Martin, but could tell you where the Tommy at Pass me the pump, that's no relation to Johnny Jack Ripped it like I'm getting in or out of that laundry mat Apologize to the couple I had to victimize We slayed it so near and look, I got a big surprise She was happy, but listen, she ain't no dumb dumb. Where the money for this washer and dryer come from? Wanted playing basketball, man, a lump sum Gave her a kiss and a hug, that's where I come from I feel like I'm losing weight Why ain't got no money if I'm moving weight? My life's based upon what I'ma do today Cop a crib, a new estate, new estate Yeah, that's what I used to say You can't get paid in the earth this big You worthless, kid You know the rest That's life, nigga Life, nigga That's life, nigga Life, nigga Yeah, I had to get off the mob beat I gave him up, but shit, it could be my streets Be on boulevards, avenues, side streets Where you get wet and on top is a dry sheet R.P. Big put me on his album R.P. Bloodshed, y'all niggas knew the outcome R.P. Reg White, my nigga was a falcon HUD 6, I'm still looking up like how come Can't forget Fat Mac and Sean Q Right now I like to take a second, thank Don Poo He gave me money to write for Young Gavin And I ain't have a deal, I was full-time trapping I mean, no credentials, but he see my potential Thanking the ones to help you get started, essential I could have been outlined, chalked the stencil Now I got insurance, money for my dentals So-called gangsters, you bet to move gentle Kill you with the number two left from my pencil But everything's beautiful, me and money are mutual Try to come between it, we'll quickly put you in neutral Moving pharmaceutical through the street while it's suitable Dirt from 1997 still inside my cuticles Nah, killer, they ain't used to you Slug pretty thug, but I ain't here to get cute with you We keep the instruments, nah, it ain't no musical Dog food, you fucking with the Uga Nuba crew King shit, bling shit, already felt the cram Me against you, bet that, double down See, I did the Midwest, and see, I melted down Back of Flex car show, I was selling pounds For what, was that Charlotte? I don't know, but I'm heartless Weaving all the charges, I'ma eat regardless A lot for paid and for that wasn't in the script We're back, we're back, we're back, hold on Okay You were incarcerated yeah. Mm-hmm. So. At what age? I was 15. Um, and then by the time I was 16, 17, I got my GED. Mm-hmm. In Sao Paulo. In, 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 in I was still in Sao mm-hmm. um, I was sentenced to six years. Well, three to, not, three to nine. I ended up doing six years. I got hit at the parole board twice. You did six years. Yeah. So I came home when I was 21. So between um, 15 and 21. Uh, I had dropped out of school in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. so 284 was my last school. That's and I did not time. finish out the, my eighth grade year. Um, were you just angry at that time? I was moving around a lot, I was in mm-hmm. group homes at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by that time, I had figured out how to get money, mm-hmm. I had a drug dealer boyfriend, mm-hmm. and um, I was fly and all that <laughs> good stuff, so I really didn't need you know. To stay home anymore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really uh, figured out how to, you know, have, you know, my mom couldn't afford the clothes that I was mm-hmm. buying, or uh, 
so I was this was at this was young. I, I was young. I was thirteen. Um, and going from group home to group home because of my behavior, the group home started to be more restrictive. Were you getting fights? I would, yeah, all the time. But more so, it was just kind of like I would leave the mm-hmm. group home and I would be out for. There was like this rule you needed to be mm-hmm. after three days you were able. They mm-hmm. put out like an arrest warrant or something for you. So I would come back like on the a third pants, day. Like a yeah, warrant. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I would come back on the third day, spend a night, and then go back outside and did that with as long as you know until they moved me to the next place. Um, and just being um, six years is a long time. It was a long time. Um, there. Do you remember that experience? Is it vivid? Like your lawyer and what was happening in court? And yeah, you know, it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. We could be here for a long time. Yes, but so, um, so the crime happened, and I went on a run. Mm-hmm. Um, there was eight girls involved, mm-hmm. and we we assaulted a woman mm-hmm. badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went on a run. Three of us ran. Two of them got caught within like the first two weeks. This happened in Brooklyn? This happened in Westchester. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah, and I was in a group home and just things just went left mm-hmm. essentially. And I ran, I was on a run for maybe like five months. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I kind of had the resources mm-hmm. and the connections to like be running. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I Finally, uh, got caught. Um, someone that I knew close to me had told on me for the reward money. Always happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I got caught, and I was mentally prepared already. To um, what it was. To be, yeah. I had been arrested before already. Mm-hmm. I was in group homes already. So I knew what it was like to live with other girls mm-hmm. who were also in trouble. Mm-hmm. So going back and forth to court, it's weird. Because, you know, I was growing up in his life and my boyfriend at the time, he would tell me, like, don't talk to the police if you ever get caught with this gun, with this, whatever. That's not, don't talk to police, right? So I got locked up and I'm waiting for them to interrogate me. (laughs) I'm like, I'm, you, whatever. Like, I'm not saying nothing kind of thing. And they was like, oh, we don't need to interrogate you because uh, all your friends told Told you already. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, cool. All right. They so did that just... so you could say, no, that's not what happened. And yeah. they get a statement from you. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, figured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I was locked up going back and forth to court, the one thing I remember not doing was like, I'm not crying about this. I know what I did. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be here mm-hmm. at some point. I didn't know how long I was going to be here. My co-defendants at the time, you know, we would fight a lot because of... You know, going back and forth to court. Mm. Oh, I read my. I no, read I read this. my paperwork. I read you my said, paperwork. Yeah, 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 you said this. Yeah, 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 that ain't even happened like that. Yeah, so there was a lot yeah. of fights like that. When I got sentenced, um, I had expected it, um, and folks were saying to us, "Well, when you go up, when you go up top, this and that." And go really, back. send you to Bedford? Um, no, because no, I was a minor. minor I went to, yeah, 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 yeah. to try on. Trying, okay. Which is now closed because mm-hmm. of all of the uh, catastrophes Chester, that yeah. happened there. Mm-hmm. Including a lot of sexual 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 abuse abuse, um, that happened there, so um, and I was at the height of all of that. Mm. So, you know, when they were sending us up top, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I didn't expect family to come. I didn't expect, you know, the one thing I expected, I was like, my boyfriend gonna be here. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, that was like the wrong thing to think. That was the first one was going on. You know, surviving a broken yeah, heart story say, at a young age. Listen, so. I see when I go in, I see plenty of women visiting. I don't see hardly any men visiting yeah, people in jail. It don't go like that. Um, you know, um, and you know that I just, I just remember being very close. That's just I, being very guarded, feeling like, yeah, this was a part of the story. Did you begin uh, during that period of incarceration? Was that where you started to say or say, you know what, I gotta turn this around? When no. I get out of here? No. All so right. it's like, <laughs> no, I want to be honest. Um, my first three years, um, I was still wilding out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, to survive. Yeah, to survive and then being a try-on. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, I, I didn't really need to be afraid of my peers. I needed to be afraid of the guards, the, guards, yeah. the officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a constant battle all of the time. So when I turned 18, you always have, you have this option to mm-hmm. sign out and mm-hmm. go to adult prison. Mm-hmm. So I signed out. You signed out. And that's and, when you went to Bedford. And that's when I went to Bedford. And mm-hmm. then I went to Albion. And I finally got to, to Bayview, mm-hmm. um, which is in the city. And that's where the college program, um, the Bar Prison Initiative, was starting their first um, mm. cohort. They were actually trying to convince another group of of women who had been down for a while. And they had, they had been down for so long that they had been in college before when it was college and prison in the in the early 90s mm-hmm. well in, two, in 1994 is when the Clinton Elliot Spencer was, actually was involved with a lot of that too Pataki took took education out of the prison system it, well it, it came from um, the Clinton crime bill um, mm-hmm. that just gutted mm-hmm. college and prison across the country yeah that's true and yeah so, that's true um, they you know this group of women who have been fighting for college and prison at that prison for a while and they got the attention of the Bar Prison Initiative who was looking to expand and it would be their mm-hmm. first woman cohort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really following their leadership mm-hmm. of, of, okay, cool. You know, I always been told I was kind of smart. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I could do something like this. Um, so the folks at Bard came to talk to us um, and I was, you know, I was always a bit of a loud mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, yeah, I, I don't see that. I know, well, <laughs> not, not now. Not now. But back then, I was a little bit of a loud mouth. Um, and Daniel Karpowitz, who's one of the uh, co-founders of the program, um, he wrote a book and he about the moment when I kind of stood up. Mm-hmm. Well, not just about that, mm-hmm. but in his book, I think he mm-hmm. talks about this moment of um, when I stood up and I was like, what are y'all going to do for us? You know, you know, white, uh, mm-hmm. liberal arts, college, mm-hmm. you know, y'all don't know nothing about our pain. We need mm-hmm. jobs, mm-hmm. we need et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, that was the moment when he knew that I was right for, <laughs> I was right for the program. Um, and I'm only telling this story because it was at the moment when I started to read that I, I knew I wanted change, okay. which was, um, you know, coming in contact. We talked about education earlier, but reading for me was um, coming in contact with other people and their ideas and starting to situate myself in relationship to those ideas. Mm-hmm. And the college really pushed us to read not for what we thought at, in the moment. Our first, our first stab at any text <clears throat> should be really trying to figure out what the other person is trying to say. Who are they? What argument are they trying to make? And then your second path should be, what do you think about it? And I had to keep asking myself when I was reading all of these anthropological texts and philosophy and sociology, etc. And asking myself, well, what do I think about what this person is saying? And it was at that moment when I was kind of like, 
you know, I want to be different. You know, mm-hmm. I want to do something different. Um, and when I came home, still, even mm-hmm. after I had maybe like a year of college under my belt when I came home, I was 21. I was still young mm-hmm. and kind of like, yo, I missed out on my prom. Mm-hmm. Not that I probably would have made it to prom that's anyway. A, but you know what though? But that's, it's funny you say that because what I've seen, um, you know, in the world that I deal with, federal, state, um, legal, criminal world, is that many people who go in, and this is mostly males, I can count the amount of females who I've represented, mm-hmm. they feel like they lost something. Mm-hmm. That loss of time, that feeling of loss of time, usually or can put you in a position where you're going to lose some more time yeah. because you're trying to play catch up. And it's something really, trying to explain people the concept of time is difficult because it's not linear, it's not... You can't catch time. Yeah. You, it's, you know, you have to always be in time. Mm-hmm. You can't catch it. And I see that's what happens to a lot of young people who go in early and then come home. I see it happen to older people as well. You know, you, you, you go in, you miss all this time. You come out, you and your, you know, you feel like you miss the clubs and getting yeah. money. You seeing what everybody else is doing. And it, it kind of messes with, with a lot of I definitely felt like I had missed out on things. I think at that point, you know, I was living a kind of a crazy life mm-hmm. before I went in. So when I came back out, I was aware of the narrative of like, you know, people that go out, they they normally come back in, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going back in. Mm-hmm. I came back to Brownsville to my mom's house mm-hmm. in Lexington Hughes, and you know, as we've been talking, that kind of says a lot. Me and my mom still don't have a good relationship, yeah. so coming home to. My mom, who I hadn't lived with, you know, because even before I got locked up, I was in group homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was hard. It was hard. It was, that was the most challenging thing for me. Um, and trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to make money, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The college had said to me, and this is the kind of bugged out part, the college said to me, if you want to go to Bard College, we need you to, we, we will give you a scholarship. We need you to fill out this paperwork and et cetera, et cetera. So Barbara's initiative that's ran by Bar College mm-hmm. said we you can go to college on in Red Hook, New York, mm-hmm. um, and up which is upstate in the Devon Hudson mm-hmm. um, is where the campus is, and uh, you know and, and go to school. And most people would have jumped at it. They had to track my exam, <laughs> <laughs> and some of it was like I'm gonna be too different. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna be on this college campus. It's kind of the fear of an unknown. Yeah, of being of, like. You know, I wasn't afraid of whatever when mm. I was younger. I wasn't from Brownsville. I'm from Brownsville, but I was like this white elite institution. Man, mm. do I really want to be up there questioning myself mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. or having to respond to X, Y, Z? And uh, I eventually, whatever I got, I don't, I don't know if I got over that fear, but um, I filled out this woman. Mm. We talked about those those people in your life that make it happen. Mm. This woman, Madeline George, uh, she was one of my professors inside. She stalked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just kind of like you gonna fill out this application, mm-hmm. um, and I and I did, and they and they let me in, and I was on college campus with a parole officer, and um, I was like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna take this more seriously than anyone else around me, and I realized I think in the first couple of days, like the first semester or so that. I had a lot of stuff to say. Like mm. I had stuff to contribute, um, and other people were looking at the text so much different than than I was. Mm-hmm. You know, we would read anthropological texts 
Um, one of them was about um, uh, the Lower East Side or in Manhattan, I can't remember. And I remember being so furious. It was a ethnography about, you know, Puerto Ricans and mm. whatever the 80s and, you know, life there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone else was like, this is so and, and he's and, and it's like, it's funny you say that because uh, most of, most, my experiences of a lot of Americans don't really know American history, much less world history. I don't think people understand... <clears throat> the colonialism that took place in Puerto Rico by America that prevented Puerto Rico from being its own independent space. Like, you know, the people in Puerto Rico would um, produce, America would take this stuff and then sell it back to them at this incredible high rate. They would drain the resources and and people don't understand that. And, um, you know, the more I read and the more I, I live, it is it, it can make you angry and it's okay to be angry is what you do with your anger and you seem like you have been very good at directing your anger yeah. if, if, if that's I, accurate it's weird I, sometimes I feel like two different people <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think anyone like any young person I worked with or anyone in the community would say you know she is so nice. <laughs> um, Until she's you know, And then um, <laughs> people in my personal life, like my sisters, my mm. brother, probably even my mom, mm. etc., would say, don't mess with her. And some of it is just like, you know, at home I'm very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, in, my, in my work life, I'm so social all mm. the time. And so when I do get a moment to... To, for, to myself I'm really quiet and you talked about being focused I feel like when I'm home I don't think about anything <laughs> um, I like to just be on the couch and when I find myself when I'm upset it's when I have expectations mm-hmm. um, when I'm like it should have gone this way mm-hmm. whether in my personal life I'm like it should not be like this or mm-hmm. this um, even relationships, right? Like friendships, romantic relationships, mm-hmm. family relationships. I'm like, it should not be like this. It should look like mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. Um, it should whether that's you know, I think it should be more fluent or fluid, mm-hmm. or we should be more accepting of whatever the case may be. Um, I get really frustrated, and that anger really comes from a place. In all honesty, um, I'm probably gonna hate saying this. It mm-hmm. just comes from a place of trauma. Oh, of course, a, a, a place of yeah. like. Like, we've been through so much. Mm-hmm. Why do we keep doing this to mm-hmm. ourselves in my family life? And I think in my work life, I kind of expect that I'm up. I know mm-hmm. that I'm there for a fight. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, most things are working against me and the people that I'm working with. And unfortunately, I, just, I think people in my personal life probably get the the more angrier side of me than, <laughs> than people in my work life. I think I've somehow been able to, like, transform that to this, like acknowledgement of the trauma that I hold and I don't know why I don't do that to the people closest you know what but it's it's, what I'm hearing though is that you're a very reflective and thoughtful person Um, so you may be on your way it's just the process of it just you know the fact that you can acknowledge that and and you can understand it is Mm -hmm. is already a a larger step many people don't have the ability uh, because of their circumstances or, or life 
or some of us just not built that way to even that self introspection. But that that's that is it the key to to growing and, and being a work. We all works in progress. But I, I'm I'm waiting for your movie. You know, when you gonna <laughs> write a book or something or, or I because I, I I what 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 I one of the things I find really interesting about you is that you are like this. You know, you're almost like a Buddha. Like you don't know <laughs> what you're thinking and where you're going with it. You're very even keel, but it's a lot of stuff in in that in that head and heart of yours, in that mind. You have a beautiful mind, and um, I think your story is really inspiring for humans. For me, it's an inspiring story. Like you know, it's the same kind of story that would have had me angry growing up and wanting to do something about it because that's when I read stories of people in the past and, and what was done to them um, and these brilliant people it that that was the effect it had on on me and I think you are in because it's not like listen I don't want you guys look her up Google her right um, Erica Mateo Brownsville you are doing the work this ain't a hashtag this is not some black line not to knock people who are into um, uh, social media activism um, you are actually doing the work and th and we haven't talked a lot about it because to me honestly I'm at the period in my life the people who do the work they're just going to keep doing it um, we can't keep shouting at everybody telling them that we're doing the work or come, come with us that shit doesn't do anything it doesn't move the needle at all it actually distracts the people who are really committed to doing the work. And you can't keep looking up at the scoreboard like, yeah, where are we at? We winning yet. We winning yet. It's, it's a life. It's a life journey. Um, but you're really doing the work. But your your story is is an important. It's a lot of angles to your story that should be told. And and I, and I and I listen, people always say, yo, when you write, they come to me with the writing book. And I and I'm kind of. Where I'm at with it is like my life doesn't afford that time right now. I'm too busy fighting. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to going to bed with my my boots on and my fist balled up yeah. and waking up the same same space. But I hope that your journey allows you an opportunity to to write or tell that story because this is a story that I would like my daughter or my nieces to know and be aware of. Um, and, and we're in a space now where, you know, young, I look at young people and they're, they're not doing, I, I can't imagine having the tools that we have now as a young person. Because you always hear older people, yo, when we, when we was younger, we ain't, yeah, nah, listen, if you was younger, <laughs> you would be doing the same shit that these kids are doing. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that these kids have much more distractions just because technology has put us in that place. And um, they are kind of disconnected from their grandmother's story, their great-grandmother's story, mm -hmm. their history. Um, and, and in that disconnect is, I think, where we get um, things that on its face we don't seem to be able to understand. But it's really, we have to start replacing the gaps in these young people's lives of their history of what happened. Um, if we're not doing that, if we just like, yo, look, you know, just pull yourself up, get a job. It ain't that easy. You know, that's that's not really what it's about. Um, but um, we, we, do we have a take a break? One more break?
All right, Phil, for everybody, Erica, I just, we've been really tame. Me and Phil usually <laughs> fight during the podcast. Um, he's like a time Nazi, uh, somewhat. Like, he wants to, yeah, this is, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, we're going to take a break, but we'll come back.
what I wanted to say. If you had a five-point plan, Erica, what would it be to perhaps change the narrative of Brownsville, East New York, Wagner houses, whatever? Just five-point plan. Um, at the top of the list is um, just mobility out of poverty, economic justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important for us to find ways to uh, build our own economies in mm-hmm. our community. So that's at the top. Secondly is education. It doesn't have to look like formal education, but you talked about earlier us not knowing our own stories. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful to know your own story. Mm-hmm. I talked about earlier when I spoke to my aunt, she told me all of this, you know, kind of very serendipitous mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> connections between my life that I'm living now and that of my grandparents and mm-hmm. father. Um, that was very empowering to me. So just knowing... Uh, that curiosity, helping to feed the curiosity of, of young people and adults, too. Mm-hmm. So education is second. Third is an investment in, in wellness and spirituality. Mm-hmm. I always talk about self-care earlier. I'm not the best at it. I'm in, on my own spiritual journey. I think it's important for us to be well, both mentally, emotionally, um, spiritually, physically, of course. So paying more attention to and making more investments in our holistic mm-hmm. um, health, non-traditional methods of healing and soothing ourselves, I think is important. I also think, you know, we uh, oftentimes, um, just in the economy, black and brown people are used to being workers, but we are also creatives. Um, and so an investment in, in our in arts, arts. And, cul- mm-hmm. and, and culture is super important. Mm-hmm. It's an expression of ourselves. Um, it is that story that needs to be told. I also talk about education and economy. I mm-hmm. think it is also at the crux of mm-hmm. uh, what can be super fruitful for us. Instead of having, you know, culture vultures, like mm-hmm. <laughs> we are um, expressing ourselves and also finding ways to to live upon that expression, which is really important. And then lastly, I think there is something about it's weird because I don't have a family yet mm-hmm. um, and I for a long time never didn't feel like I was part of a family mm-hmm. sometimes I still question whether I was part <laughs> of a family um, but I think you know having uh, supporting our family like supporting a, a family un- unit and mm-hmm. whatever that looks like in that household whether it's a single parent or you know two parent or you're raised by your grandmother mm-hmm. there's this kind of acknowledgement to acknowledge more the support that families need. I think now we are very afraid to help each other yeah. or inv- oh, like dig into someone's mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to dig into anyone's home, but I want to be able to support or channel investments towards building family units and family connections. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. That's fine. And that's very big. I feel like you could do... <laughs> no, I feel, no, it's not. It's not actually. I think it goes to... <clears throat> It goes to community, and I think how you remove um, the, the the negative systems that are in place, like those five things that you just mentioned, if we just committed to that, things would change. Um, but it, there's a commitment issue, I think, in our communities, and it's we are not in position 
or it's almost like we are not doing the things to become self-determining um, because ultimately you have to control your ecosystem. If you don't control your ecosystem, someone else will. Um, and the practical solutions that uh, have to come up, come out of that require innovation, creativity, but it requires, it's intergenerational. It's, it's not this stagnant thing. It's, 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 it's dynamic. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, I ask because I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really, um, I think you, you are very powerful and I think what you're doing and how you're thinking about some of these things are very powerful. Um, for just on, on a personal note for us, we, the, the program in Brownsville that we participated in was because of you. And it was, a, it was a, it was a wonderful experience, um, for me personally. Um, because, you know, as you get older, you know, sometimes things start looking the same people you're meeting the same, same conversations. We used to talk about small talk to, to at this point in the game for me to still be as committed to changing the narrative and to meet someone like yourself and your team, like those meetings we had to get it together here and in Brownsville. And then boom, it happened in the way it happened. You know, that was, that was really powerful to be a part of. I mean, um, shout out to you guys. Cause nah, you guys really, um, I, you know, I reached out and you guys were so open to like having a conversation and you guys jumped right in and then you held court, you know, at the mm-hmm. event. Yo, um, but it was, you know, we were in Red Hook and the experience about, you said, telling stories. A big part of that, basically, we were in Red Hook because of you. But then the program that we came up with and the ideas that really was driven home by Phil and Mally, um, it was about these young people telling their stories. It was a young me there. It was a young Phil. It was a young Erica there. And a young Mally was telling our stories. And um, that's important. Like, what we have to say is important. You know? You mentioned earlier about um, finding ways to become self-determined. And for for black and brown folks, Mm -hmm. self-determination can also look like rebellion. Yes. Um, And so sometimes I... Yo, in whiteness, it always looks like rebellion. Yeah, definitely. You know, even us organizing. Think about it. Us organizing is rebellion. Definitely. You know, like, like, look, I have no doubt in, 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 in our lifetime, like, we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to be a part of it being figured out. You're going to really get to see what this country is about once people in Brownsville will start figuring it out, where they don't need these outside sources or advice anymore. Um, and you you hit it right on the head. Like, us communicating, how we communicate is rebellious mm-hmm. and is something that America has always been very clear about is black and brown people are a threat. Definitely. <laughs> all, I mean, all, all day. Yeah. So, you know, we are we also talked about like intergenerational. Right. Mm-hmm. And so until we stop and take a moment and recognize that our young people are saying a lot to us Mm -hmm. um and sometimes what we think is rebellion is them trying to find a way to self-determine themselves to to figure things out Mm -hmm. um just we talked about you know sometimes being angry confused uh when we were younger about 
the world around us. Um, we, you know, for me, asking questions all the time, and every time I got an answer, I'm like, "What? That don't make no sense." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "What are you trying to tell me?" Sometimes our young people are saying that to us, yes, yeah. and so you know, listening closely is important, and and investing in new ideas, like you talked about innovation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know, we ain't got the answers, but sometimes it's our young people who are saying to us exactly what it should be. And we're like, well, uh, you know, that's not how, mm-hmm. you know, we remember it happening when we were X, Y, Z years old. And I, I have to, I'm saying this to myself too, because my niece is uh, 15. Sometimes she'd be saying some stuff to me and I'd be like, what are you talking about? Um, and the work that um, you know you guys did in, in Red Hook, and then the support, the support, and the work that you guys gave in Brownsville is the exact type of organizing that you know I'm a I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many there are different ways to organize, mm-hmm. and I'm not shooting down the you know the social media mm-hmm. activists or the person who wants to uh, do a, a few marches, mm-hmm. a, a couple mm-hmm. of you know mm-hmm. panels, etc. Um, I'm that's fine. That's just not the kind of organizer that yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, so I want to find other folks who are who are dope like you guys, and say, well, what can we do, and what can we do tomorrow, and then what can we do the day after, and then two weeks from then, and then our my team will uh, laugh if they hear this um, small, visible, tangible wins that build on each other, and so we are making systemic change, and that is. That's the path forward, Listen, and I think it's all of those small, small investments. You're absolutely that, right. That right. we're making, um, that you got. Yo, we, we, you got us. We down. All right, <laughs> so whatever. We down. Like, and and a lot of it is not even have to be said, but we um we we are gonna support any way we can, whether it's uh, in, uh, cerebrally, um, physically. You need us to build a house, uh, lay some, <laughs> sit some tiles, um, organizing. Um, and, and the end goal for me is to so that black and brown people can control their narrative. Most definitely. You know, um, yeah, this has been wonderful, Erica. Thank you. All right. I think <laughs> Thank you, you. you're Thank the you. reason why, you know, like I said, you've even had a calming effect on me and Phil. We usually would be going at each other. He's been in pocket this podcast. Thank you. No, it's, thank you. Right, here we go. Here we go. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta just do it. Play my track. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Life. Life. Hey yo, what's all live, nigga? But it's all right. One five, four five, nigga. But it's all tight. Give me that. Where you from, nigga? Make it real clear. Where the bill? That's right. We still here. Another year scratching. But this time around, loud. Let's got down with the action. Nigga, y'all know what's happening. We full grown, nigga. What you call hell? We call home. So pack your fucking bags and move on, nigga. Hostile takeover. Still got the kill top. Lock and let the steel pop. I take your place, soldier. Nine years running. Been a long time coming. And you can bet your sweet ass are coming for all mine, cousin. I'm a brown real slugger. With a pound square slugger. And them hounds real muggier. But the town still love you. Get yours. Get raw. Get pissed off. We train the mother the big dog. Train hard to get your cabin twist off. It's tough law, baby. But you still got to learn how to bust laws. Crazy. On the hilltop, we just 
still got some rough dogs, baby. It's all fundamental. To hold guns and blow guns is essential. Welcome to Brownsville. It's all live, nigga, but it's all right. One, five, four, five, nigga, but it's all time. Where you from, nigga? Make it real clear. Yeah. 